back, everyone. This is The Changelog, where members support a blog, podcast, and weekly email that covers what's fresh and what's new in open source. You can check out the blog at thechangelog.com, our past shows at 5x5.tv slash changelog. And now you can subscribe to The Changelog Weekly. It's our weekly email covering what's fresh and what's new in open source. We send them out every Saturday. Subscribe at thechangelog.com slash weekly. This show is hosted by myself. Adam Stukoviak. I almost said Andrew Thorpe. Andrew. <laughs> and also Andrew Thorpe. Say hello, man. Hey, how's it going? It's a good day, man. And this is uh, this is episode 103, man. It is a good day, yes. It's good stuff. We're we're joined by Asitze, Sebrodri, Sebrandi. Sorry about that, Asitze. He's, he's, he's the uh, co-founder of GitLab with, uh, with Dimitri. So they've got a fun thing going on over there. They just versioned the 6.0. So Asitze, uh, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. No problem. Honored to be on the show. And uh, Andrew, congratulations on your birthday, man. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can virtually wish Andrew a happy birthday because today, Thursday, I think this will air on Friday, but uh, you know, you'll be in the future. But today's his birthday. Good stuff. Big day. And before, uh, before we kick off the show, I want to pay some homage to our sponsor, DigitalOcean, super awesome cloud hosting server. So, uh, uh, Cloud hosting provider. DigitalOcean is a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server. Users can create a cloud server in 55 seconds, which is super quick. And pricing starts at five bucks only for uh, a half a gig of RAM, 20 gigs of SSD uh, drive space, one CPU, and one terabyte of transfer, which is pretty awesome for five bucks. They feature 99%. Uh, actually, it's 99.9% correction uptime uh, SLA on their on their services. They have data centers here in the U.S., in New York, and San Francisco, as well as in Europe, not very far from CSA, in Amsterdam. So, pretty neat. Their interface they have to manage it all is intuitive. It's super fast, and power users can actually replicate it on a larger scale because they have an awesome API to go with it. DigitalOcean uses KVM virtualization and additionally hosts a library of helpful walkthroughs and tutorials that covers server config and optimization, so it's pretty easy to get your services set up. We have a pretty awesome promo with them, 10 bucks off. So when you sign up, you enter your credit card information on the billing page. There's a promo, uh, promo code filled there. Go ahead and pop in our coupon code, changelog. That's not the changelog, it's just changelog, to use our $10 off promo. So thanks so much to DigitalOcean for their support. Go to digitalocean.com. And... Uh, that's kind of neat, though, Andrew. We we have a friend at Pure Trade that works with us that uh, is about to move to their services. Kelly, you know, his service get portly. Yeah, portly. Yeah. He uh, he's been using Linode, and I think one thing that was pretty enticing about DigitalOcean for him was the fact they have private IPs now. So he was like, "Oh, that's nice." And yeah. Uh, plus, it's on SSD, so it's super fast too. But uh, yeah, he likes Linode, but I think that he always kind of knew that. Um, it was good to get started with, and he was going to have to migrate eventually. So, yeah. found DigitalOcean loves it. I think yeah. it's a pretty good move. Oh, yeah. DigitalOcean's Dig- uh, one thing I've heard about is like it's just fast because it's SSD. But, anyways, it's let's really, get this. It's really neat. We, we use it to uh, GitLab is hosted partly on another provider, but we all the new servers are on DigitalOcean. We're really happy with them. Is that right? And it's, nice. Yeah, Man. it's neat that they're sponsoring the show too, of course. But, double uh, sponsor. Yeah, double. Double I mean. sponsor. Yeah, well, <laughs> we don't get a discount, I guess, but it's <laughs> it's amazing price and value anyway. So, oh, yeah. 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 And the five sure. bucks, I mean, they're, they're basic plans. So we get 10 bucks off. It's basically two months free. You know, the easy way to say that. I mean, that's a super extended uh, 
promo for DigitalOcean, but we we certainly appreciate the support of the show. But uh, um, that's cool that you guys are using them too. But uh, let's get off the show, Andrew. You want to take the lead, my friend? Yeah, yeah. So, Seed, uh, say, so why don't you kind of go ahead and give us? So, I don't, we mentioned it before, but we had a little sponsor. So, uh, you're with GitLab. So, why don't you kind of give us a intro? Just the history, or why don't you start with what GitLab is? Why don't we go there? GitLab is a code and project management system. Um, so you manage your uh, Git repositories in there. There's an issue tracker. There's a wiki system. You can manage uh, users and all kinds of permissions. And the whole goal is to collaborate as software developers, um, to do code reviews, to communicate stuff, um, to work together more efficiently and to do a continuous delivery of your software supported by this uh, management in uh, GitLab. So obviously does that makes Go ahead. No, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And and obviously for anyone that's listening that is familiar with it, um I'm sure you have to answer the question with how you guys relate to GitHub and and other, you know, those providers Bitbucket and those guys. So, we'll get into that a little bit later on in the show, but um so so basically GitLab is uh just do you only support Git or do you support other uh other version control systems too? No, we're uh, Git only. Uh, obviously, some you people use it uh, with SVN uh, things, but there there's no support in GitLab for that. Gotcha. Why don't you go ahead and give us a little bit of a history? Um, I think you guys are starting to gain some real traction, but you've been around for quite a while. Uh, you're definitely not a, a brand new service, so there's some history behind you guys. So why don't you kind of give us a little peek into that? Sure. Uh, GitLab was created in September 2011 by Dmitry Zarapovets and Valery Sizov. Uh, Dmitry uh, continued with the project and uh, is still the lead author, and he's a co-founder of me. Um, a year after Dmitry uh, made the project, uh, I started uh, GitLab.com to uh, also offer commercial services around uh, GitLab. But then uh, GitLab was already out for a year and it already gained some uh, traction, mostly from people who want to run their own, uh, yeah, their own uh, hosting service. So on premises within their company, they uh, or organization, they want to uh, be in control of their own repos and access and backups and uh, GitLab enables them to uh, do so. Um, a big step in the development of GitLab in my view, was uh, version 5.0 when we uh, got rid of all the dependencies on GitOlite, which is an awesome piece of software, uh, but it allowed GitLab to uh, scale a lot better and to support like uh, many thousands of users on one uh, one installation. And it's uh, it's been open source the whole time. It's MIT licensed, and uh, we got a awesome community around in contributing and helping people out. I guess you um, mentioned uh, being 5.0 is the the last milestone. You said you know kind of a, a shift for you, but uh, you recently celebrated 6.0. I think it was about like a week or two back, week and a half back. Yep, it uh, came out on the 22th of the month of uh, uh, previous month. Uh, it since 2011, it's always come out on that date, so you can expect a new, major or minor release on the 20 uh, 22th of each. Uh, Month, so that's uh, something the whole community is always looking forward to. Uh, 6.0 was also a major release. Um, we added uh, lots of awesome features. 
most importantly, the ability to combine uh, groups of people and groups of projects. So you can now have a group where you have a, uh, a couple of developers in, and then if you add projects to that group, all the developers get their uh, authorizations on the uh, project automatically and vice versa. And this makes managing uh, bigger enterprise installations uh, a lot easier. But also for smaller companies like, like 50 people or 20 people or five people, it's nice to be able to group uh, projects and access. And among, of course, there were many, many other changes and improvements uh, as well. But this was the biggest one in the 6.0 release. So the, the Enterprise Edition is new in the 6.0 release, is that right? Yes, we also introduced uh, Enterprise version. Um, the difference from the uh, Community Edition is that it has support for uh, LDAP groups. So you uh, normal GitLab can sync to your uh, company uh, uh, LDAP server for uh, permissions and authorizations. Um, but this can also sync with your LDAP groups. So everyone who is in your company LDAP server can also gain access to uh, a certain group in uh, GitLab. It's it's more a feature for bigger organizations with more than 50 users. And um, this time, this, this version is only available to subscribers of GitLab.com. So that's our business model. We make uh, uh, two books uh, a month for every user uh, that is using an uh, enterprise edition. So with that, we've become a sustainable company. And uh, it, we were really glad it was positively received in the community. And we're, uh, yeah, we're trying to build on that to, to, to uh, grow as a company and, and do even more improvements to GitLab. The so you- GitLab, though, sorry, Andrew, the, I wanted to make this point because um, the enterprise edition though is only available to subscribers of GitLab.com though, right? So like you got the community edition, which you mentioned is open source, and GitLab uh, EE or enterprise edition is subscriber based. Is that right? Exactly. Okay. So you and you announced six point on August twenty second, and since then you've had a, a few weeks now. So you you kind of said that the reception's been pretty good with the enterprise edition, but what does that mean? How, how has the reception been, you know, specifically? Um, we got a major increase in the number of subscribers, um, people who wanted to new features, but also people who saw like we were really serious about it and that it's becoming a sustainable company. Um, there were already lots of organizations using GitLab. Over 25,000 is our estimate. And now, all kinds of organizations came to us and said, oh, okay, we'd like the enterprise version or we'd like the support. Um, so um, we didn't have like multiple companies signing up every day before, and now we have that. And uh, um, it was starting to gain major traction around the release. Uh, the release, uh, some of the features in 6.0 were um, uh, made uh, in discussions with some major enterprises, and we now have like three Fortune 100 companies being paying customers of uh, GitLab.com. So that that was a major milestone for us, signing up these these big companies uh, and working with them to make GitLab even better. You, you kind of alluded uh, in a conversation we had that uh, there was a quite a bit of discussion that actually went around the licensing of the Enterprise Edition. 
Yes, uh, obviously, um, making two versions is a, a major step, and uh, you you can do it the wrong way or the right way. And um, obviously, what what Oracle is doing to MySQL is 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 not the way we wanted to do it. Um, <laughs> And we thought the best thing would be to, just to talk to our community about it, what our plans were and how we were going to do it. So on GitLab.org, uh, about a month before the release, we said, okay, these are our plans and, and this is how we're going to do it. And then all the hard questions came about how are you going to license it? Um, and that was a main point. Um, and obviously we were thinking about a commercial license, um, all the extra code would be commercial code and you couldn't copy it, etc. And some of the people in the community said, well, why don't you just put your faith in the community and just make it open source? That's what we all believe in. And people are going to be okay. Like the GitLab community is pretty awesome and nobody's going to be uh, mean and, and, and redistribute it. Uh, why should they? If we're being a good member of the community, we can expect the rest of the community to be cool. So mm. that was a pretty convincing argument. So we MIT licensed the uh, Enterprise Edition, which I think is pretty unusual for uh, uh, enterprise software. Uh, you see it sometimes in smaller plugins and everything, but this is a, a, a bit of an experiment. Uh, and so far, it's going really well and uh, very positive response to it. So I'm, I'm proud that together with the community, we could do this. And you saw it in when we released 6.0 that there was, there was no, everybody was happy about it, how we approached it and, and, and the end result. So really feeling really good about the discussion we mm -hmm. had, especially with the user called Bean in, uh, in the, uh, the, uh, the pre, pre announcement. Let me ask a question here because there's some. There, I was reading some of the comments on your 6.0 release and then the, the link out to your Enterprise Edition. And Andrew, this kind of keys off of something we asked uh, Mike Param when he was on about, you know, Psychic and Psychic Pro, which is like, and the question in, that I'm going to ask is basically from one of the uh, comments here is like, you know, if the community develops your EE uh, LDAP groups feature and they want to push that into the CE edition, uh, I think you eventually had kind of a, a response too, but it was pretty much just um, it would be appreciated. So what was, what was your official stance on like it seemed like there's some sort of divide there between the additions, even though you were graceful and offered it as MIT? Yeah, obviously, um, the, 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 that's a hard question to answer. So what happens if somebody contributes a feature to the community edition that is already in the enterprise edition? Would uh, would we merge that? Um, I think the first question we're going to ask ourselves is why do people want this? Are we because we promised that any features we put in only the enterprise edition would be features that would be uh, mainly useful for larger organizations? And the fact that someone is contributing it to the community edition kind of indicates that maybe we're wrong. Maybe this feature is really useful for smaller organizations because we have pretty affordable pricing. So if you're in a large organization, you should have no trouble convincing uh, the management of, of actually purchasing a subscription. So 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 why is this happening? That, that will be the first question. And we might be mistaken. We might think about a feature that's only for large ones. 
but it's also good for smaller organizations. In that case, we're wrong and we'll just merge that code or enterprise code into the community edition. If that's not the case, I think it's it's what would be important is the, the seriousness. Some of these features are non-trivial to make. Is the, uh, the, the code that is contributed, is that of a high quality? Did someone take it really serious to try to add this feature? Or is it just like, hey, I, I saw that this feature is missing and I, I, I tried to whip something up, but it's not that functional. Uh, so if someone is serious, that makes it uh, more likely that we'll uh, include it. Uh, obviously, if, if the code was directly nicked from the, um, the, the enterprise edition, that would be legal, but that would not be very cool. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, some of these, it seems like uh, one of your interests is like that uh, I was just reading through is that, you know, some features can be kind of bottled up into because somebody suggested a plugin system and then kind of making it where, you know, these enterprise features could be bottled up in plugins and just kind of added on like through some sort of subscription that you've already mentioned, but that some of them are just kind of bigger interfaces to the to the application that it's just not easy to bottle up into a plugin. Yeah, there might be, uh, we have uh, services, we call them, but they're the kind of function like plugins. So we might have some enterprise things that will be able to package as a service. Uh, that would be neat. Uh, I like what, for example, Vagrant is doing in this regard where their uh, VMware uh, plugin is paid and the rest of Vagrant is uh, open source. Um, but some of these features, we would have to build a whole special interface into them community edition just to be able to build on top of that. And what we don't want to end up is with a worse open source, worse community edition because we want to build on top. Like that, that shouldn't be the goal. So it's not always feasible to abstract something as a plugin. So we'll do it if it's easy, but we're not going to complicate the code base too much. Uh, with Git, it's very easy to just keep two separate versions in existence. So we'll rather do that than, 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 than build all kinds of extra non-functional stuff that everyone has to maintain. So speaking about the code base, um, and, I, and again, I want to kind of get into this a little bit, but I'm sure you answer this question a lot um, or, or kind of have conversations about this a lot, but GitLab itself is hosted on GitHub. So why don't you kind of give a little bit of a, insight into that decision and, and if, if that's going to be a long-term solution or if you eventually would move GitLab over to GitLab or, you know, whatever you would say to that. Yeah. Um, we're, we're trying to be really pragmatic about everything. So pragmatic that it sometimes it hurts. So if it's about making something, an awesome new feature for that people can use or uh, building something just to serve our pride, then we built an awesome feature that people can use. So the thing is, we haven't gotten around to making public repositories. So on a GitLab server, everything is private. And for most people running a GitLab server, this is why they're running GitLab, because they mm -hmm. want unlimited private repositories. Um, so most of the people are really happy with that. And um, building, we want to... We're not against uh, public repositories, so we're accepting merge requests for that. But um, 
it, it would be a big change. You have all kinds of problems, like you don't no longer have a current user. So lots of code needs to be adapted, and we want to do it in the right way so that all the security uh, tests and everything, it, it doesn't become brittle. Uh, so we haven't gotten around to it. Um, if if somebody uh, uh, contributes it, will a re really good code, we'll merge it. If there's a customer that really insists on it, we'll do it. Uh, but so far, everyone's really happy with the private stuff. Um, but I think it's a question of time because there are people right now building uh, Fedora packages. There are people building Debian packages. Um, there's discussion on the Drupal mailing list about using GitLab. So the, the, the pressure is on to uh, to start supporting public repos. So I think it's a question of time. But uh, yeah, we're trying to be pragmatic ab about that. Does that make uh, sense? Yeah, so, so basically right now, just to kind of summarize and make sure I understand this correctly, right now just because GitLab is itself open source and maybe GitLab.com, the cloud, is not the best solution for an open source project right now because there are no public repositories. But eventually if that happens, you would consider moving GitLab itself into GitLab to be hosted there? Uh, yeah, exactly. And we might have open uh, um, open public repositories even before we move. So we're just going to stay where the people are. And right now, uh, GitHub is, is where, where the contributors are. So we're not going to force anything on anyone right. just to, to be more proud. Our pride is in building something that people can use and that's stable and that's affordable and that's that's open and free, and and that that's our pride. And yeah, if, if we have to host somewhere else, that's 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 really fit for the purpose. Then that's okay. Yeah, and that's a really cool attitude. I think you know you kind of speak about the pride thing, and I think that's something that in open source a lot of times kind of takes over. And you know, some some projects, not all. I mean, that thankfully not most, but you know, there are some projects that seems like the, the maintainers of the project are very proud and, and it's their way. It's it's what they want to do, not what the community wants. And that's kind of anti-open source. So it's really cool to see, you know, that at a company level, you guys are all saying, you know, it's not about our pride. It's about delivering what people want. And I think that's really cool. Um, have you kind of received any attention from GitHub itself, the company or any of the team members about this? Uh, no, we haven't. I think that maybe it's a matter of time before you would hear something as you guys continue to grow. I mean, you guys are getting very big, over 10,000 stars on GitHub. So uh, the scope of this project seems to be exploding, and it's real fun to watch it. Yeah, just I'm, wanna... sure they are, I'm sure they are aware of us. Yeah, definitely. And just I to, did want to. So I was just going to point out their their URL. So while the listeners are listening, can maybe go hang out there. It's github.com slash gitlabhq. Yeah, and there's lots of stuff. More, you know, GitLab. A lot of you guys that contribute back to the open source community a lot in areas other than just on GitLab, uh, and that's cool, right? So, what other what other projects have you guys contributed back to the community besides just uh, GitLab.com? Um, besides the the GitLab thing, uh, the other main project is GitLab CI. So it's a, a very basic continuous integration server. Uh, I think the cool thing about it is that uh, it's really user-friendly, so it's very easy to set up your projects. Uh, you don't have to do uh, um, 
set up new user accounts or new permissions. It communicates with GitLab over the API and it gets your existing projects and you can uh, set up a new project in under a minute. And the other thing that's really cool about it is that it's distributed by nature. So your um, your tests do not run on the CI server. They can run somewhere else. And this is the default setup. So what we commonly see with people, they set up a CI server, but the tests run on the server. So um, any project that runs on the server can access uh, the whole CI server. And that's a bit of a security concern. Uh, and also maintenance and everything is complicated. And a GitLab CI is distributed by nature. Um, and I think that's uh, really cool. If you want to know more, you should check out the architecture, GitLab CI architecture uh, blog post. Awesome. So GitLab Git is a, so kind of to, to go back, I read an article from one of the founders of GitHub about Grit and how, you know, it kind of, I don't remember if it was Tom, but one of them was talking about how they just were in a bar one night, sat down, decided to start writing the Git bindings for Ruby. And so Grit came about. You guys have written a wrapper around that called GitLab Git and, uh, Kind of, can you elaborate on what that is and why you decided to do that, and 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 how you chose to to kind of use that architecture? Um, I think it's a pretty minimal wrapper. Um, it's uh, it's because the grid project is a bit well. The, there are lots of uh, pull requests waiting to be merged in the grid project, and I think that's why we have our own fork of the project. Um, the thing that uh, uh, we built on that with a thing called uh, GitLab Shell, uh, maybe that's that goes a bit too far now. But uh, it's 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 more of a, a fork with some additional uh, fixes and things that we need than uh, a replacement. So yeah, we're really grateful for uh, the grid project that was uh, contributed. Uh, yeah. Bike it up. Yeah, just to add some numbers to the mix here for, for those listening. Uh, I, I'm assuming this is the canonical repo, which is uh, Tom Preston Warner's uh, username on GitHub, which is Majumbo. Uh, that's Majumbo, right? Yeah. yeah. Slash grid. And there's 63 pull requests uh, waiting to, to be merged. I think without throwing stones, what do you think the reasons why there's so many pull requests waiting? Is it just that they're, they're opinionated and maybe these pull requests don't really represent where they want to take grid? No, I'm I'm not sure. I'm I'm not. Yeah, you'd have to ask him. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard it's a hard question to answer. The, yeah. the oldest pull request is from three years ago. Yeah. So you would think that some kind of action would have happened on that pull request by now, but you know they got their reasons and, and why things are happening. Yeah, so. I'm not trying to throw stones. Just trying to see because you said one of the reasons why you did uh, GitLab Git was that uh, was that you know because of those being stacked up and obviously you had some motivation and inertia of where you wanted to take it. So some vision for what grid could be. So you had to essentially, you know, fort from where it was at and wrap around it and do some other things uh, in addition to it. So it sounds like, you know, just you can't wait for other community members to move if you're trying to move ahead of they are, you know, ahead of where they're at. Yeah. And on the same time, it's, we know how hard open source is and, and keeping up with the issue tracker yeah. is really hard and you cannot expect the same people who write software to always keep mm -hmm. maintaining it and investigating everything and our GitLab grid is mostly 
for stuff we need. So we're not trying to to be a better project or something like that. We're just right. trying to merge in stuff that right. we need. Yeah, solve um, your own problems. I think that's yep, the problem I was trying to make problem. was like, is it you know what's the is it solving your own problems or is it you know I don't, I don't know just easy question to answer. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's kind of it's, sol- it's solving our own problems, and I think um, one thing infrastructure wise that we did try to contribute that has some pretty unique functionality is GitLab shell. It is uh, it uses the GitLab API, so it's a bit specific, but it um, it's uh, code that allows you to. Um, host an SSH session and to have people download the code and, and clone the code and push the code. So basically what Gitto Lite is doing with Perl, this is doing with uh, Ruby code in a nutshell. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a, a pretty neat piece of work and mm-hmm. it might be a good reference for other people trying to do this. So Gitto Lite is what you guys were using and that's what you said you replaced, you replaced at GitLab 5, 5.0 and that was with GitLab shell. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Okay. Awesome. Well, you kind of talked about this a little bit. I wanted to maybe shift gears a little bit. Um, one of the things that we've kind of hit on a little bit now is, and I've said a little bit, quite a few in those sentences, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. One of the things that we've talked about a small amount, uh, in the last, <laughs> couple minutes is building commercial company around open source. Um, and you talked about, you just mentioned something about, uh, issue trackers and how they can hard to be hard to kind of keep up with as one core maintainer. So at GitLab, you guys have a specific team of two people dedicated to the issues. Is that, is that right? Can you talk about that? Yeah, there are two people, but they're not part of, uh, gitlab.com. They're part of the community. So, right. I want to shout out to Ben Bodemiller and Robert Schilling. They're doing an awesome job on um, keeping the issue tracker as clean as possible. So trying to help people there, trying to close duplicate questions. And they're doing that in their spare time. And we really appreciate it. It's one of the the, 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 the most important things in open source. And we're really grateful if people step in to help out on the issue tracker. And I think that that comes from a mindset of, and, and you guys have it, which is when you're very open to the community and, and what the community desires, I think your community, that your specific community that comes up around you is open to giving back. And I think with Ben and Robert that are obviously committing, I mean, the one thing that you don't, you know, you can't buy more of is time, right? You've heard that before. And so they're taking more of their time from whatever their regular jobs are to commit back to GitLab. And that's something that you get from a, a mindset of, you know, being open to the community. And, and when you're truly open to what the community wants and willing to kind of shift in the direction that the community wants to take you, I think you kind of uh, can, you know, gain a lot of the joys of the community. Would would you agree with that? Yeah, but I think the community is doing a way better job than we are. Like, I, I'd like to hang out a lot more on the the, the, the campfire rooms and everything uh, to, to, to help the community. So we're not doing as good of a job as we could doing that. Uh, we had some help from Yves Sen, who is uh, also working on the Rails core, and he helped us uh, well set up campfire rooms and, and help coach some uh, people to become better uh, contributors and, and better uh, issue, issue team maintainers. Um, so, yeah, we just have awesome people in the community. It's not 
it's it's um, it's not because of us, but um, but because of the community that it, that it, that it's going so well. Yeah. So what is the what's it like building a commercial? You said that you've recently become sustainable. Is that right? Yeah, with with the introduction of uh, GitLab Enterprise Edition, we've become a sustainable company. And before that, uh, we uh, took on uh, consulting assignments to make end, ends meet. <laughs> and you're going to be working full time at the end of the month on GitLab, is that right? Yes, I'm finishing up the last consulting work and I can't wait uh, to start uh, working full time. I think that's an important point to camp out on for – I know we talked a little bit about some comments we um, heard back from – those on the announcement of GitLab 6.0 and then also the Enterprise Edition, just like asking questions of why fork it or why have this divide or why have these separate uh, options. And I think, you know, maybe you can say this on your own, but I think generally speaking, to be sustainable, um, you know, at some point you have to be able to sustain yourself through through money and not do additional consulting and focus fully on GitLab. So that seems to be the answer to the question, which is that's why you've done it to be sustainable. Yeah, we've done it to be sustainable and because we saw there was a lot of demand for uh, features that only larger companies would use. And like there's, we had um, already for half a year, uh, GitLab.com hired uh, Dimitri as a co-founder to work on GitLab full time. And he's working all all these uh, awesome features. But yeah, the money has to come from somewhere and uh we need to, uh, um, yeah. Well, it, having a paid product is a great way to to make ends meet, um, and I think it's it's. Uh, there are also other things like uh, donations. We did that as well, and we're really happy with all the people who donated. Uh, we also had a software as a service product, so for some people that might be the best way to uh, generate income. But we thought this was the best way for uh, GitLab.com. Yeah, it's something we talk about a lot on the show because, you know, unfortunately, if you get a pizza delivered to your house, you can't pay it with contributions, right? <laughs> you have to have money Good one. to pay bills. So we talk about, you know. Well, let me respond to that. Um, Dimitri called it ice cream money uh, when <laughs> uh, when he started. But we had some very, very generous contributions come in. We had uh, companies donate a thousand dollars six hundred dollars like pretty big amounts so it's not that the community is not willing to uh, pay up oh when i say Um, contributions i meant uh like to the to the code itself like commits oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) sure i I was confusing it with donations yeah no 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 well that's the point is you know you unfortunately you can't pay your bills with code right you have to somehow make money whether it's through donations or you know some sort of a business model or something and so we talk about a lot on the show different business models that people have and this is one i don't know i mean maybe i'm just making this up but i have nothing to back this but it, it seems like this type of a business model where you have like your open source product and then you kind of extend it for like an enterprise edition or a paid version or something like that this is kind of growing in popularity and it seems that this model is growing in popularity specifically when your target, um, you know, your, your target customer 
is a developer, right? Because I think developers understand that this stuff isn't free, that the people that are doing this still have lives. They have families and bills and all this and that. And so the, I think that it's a, it's a model that is lent to be successful because, you know, myself, like I'm more than willing to give money to a project that I rely on to get my job done because I know that this, this guy has to do his job. And the only way he can keep going is if he makes money and if he can't keep going, then I don't have this project anymore to work with. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, t totally. And what also comes into play is that uh, many times the, the benefactor of the open source project is a company. And in a company, it's really normal to pay for software. It's not so normal to do a donation. Yeah. So for a lot of people who wanted to donate, it was a much easier if we just said it was for software. But yeah, we can only do that if it really is for software. Right. So that's also why it's good to, uh, well, to have a commercial offering. So let me ask you this: If so, GitLab itself is open source, and you guys are kind of reaching out to to companies to to start using this. Have you have you gotten any flack from companies that maybe a little more old fashioned that aren't comfortable with the fact that your software is open source? Um, no, we haven't. But maybe that's because we're not reaching out that much. I think the whole community around uh, GitLab is doing the promotion. And just we have enthusiasts and champions within companies that started using GitLab. So it's a great fit for their organization. And that's that's they reach out to us. Maybe when we uh, become more active in doing outbound sales that we get that reaction. But most people are really comfortable with open source. And, yeah, people see, I think, the benefit of having more eyes on the product. Right. And, and maybe they like that there's a commercial company that has a lead developer that is, like, inspecting every last line of code that comes into the project. Maybe maybe that helps, but right. we haven't had any negative reactions to uh, GitLab being open source. And it's, again, you have the, the community kind of, or the, the clients are coming to you. You, you mentioned to me that um, GitLab is actually looking to hire, and, and some of the roles you're looking to hire for are support and sales. So do you, you, you said this already, but you, you could see that happening a little bit if you're starting to reach out and do outbound sales. And what is your response to that if that starts to happen? If somebody says, I like what you guys are doing, I, I, I like that it's all private, but I don't like that the code itself is open source. Do you say they're not a good fit for you or, or how would you handle that? Oh, I would ask why they say that. Like what is their concern? Are they concerned about security or about copyrights or what, what is their concern about people inserting backdoors? And, and all these questions, I think, have different answers. Mm -hmm. And I think they all have a good answer. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it will be about the specific concern. Do you want me to go into the concerns? No, no. I just wonder if you guys have put any thought into that as a company. You know, and, I, and the only reason I bring it up is because you say you are looking to hire sales, which I think is unique. I think that companies that are open source with an enterprise edition don't often do much outbound selling. I think that's a unique thing that you guys are going to do. So I wonder if you guys have had those conversations at all. And, you know, if those questions come up or you hire a salesperson, are you going to want to train that salesperson on these questions and stuff like that? Yeah, I think we'll see what we uh, get for questions and then we'll start answering them and, <laughs> and, 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 and making notes. Um, I think the, the, 
the sales vacancy we have at the moment is going to be inbound. So just keeping up with all the requests that are coming in and making sure people have all the information and following up on all the questions they asked and all the wishes they have. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're hiring for that and we're hiring for support, making sure that uh, you help people with their uh, environment, setting everything up, making sure the backups are okay and, and, and doing high availability configurations. So right now we're hiring for that and outbound sales that that's that's still in the future. We just have trouble keeping up with the growth we're currently having. So uh, although I'd like to do even <laughs> yeah. more sales, let's let's first uh, we're still doing a great job at, at servicing our customers, but we we need to hire in the very near future. Uh, so uh, if you're interested, please let us know because uh, we we need you to grow further and, and keep doing a good job. So on the, on that note then, what's, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges you face then? I mean, so if you, it, is it manpower? Is it, you know, uh, you know, we just talked about you becoming sustainable with, with the enterprise edition. What is the biggest challenge you face right now? Yeah. Good people are always, are always the challenge. Um, and I think, We've been able to hire some amazing people because they like being an open source. Uh, but for example, getting a person that wants to do inbound sales and is enthusiastic about that, that are not the people who come into contact with open source projects. So mm-hmm. I, I think that maybe we should do some more uh, marketing and uh, PR in, in, uh, non developer channels. Some uh, outbound to- sales to get some inbound sales people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's a very positive problem to have. So yeah. that's uh, that's okay. And um, I don't. Yeah, the, so far no no major problems. Just keeping up with all the extra demands after we announce the enterprise edition. That's right now the focus for the next uh, few weeks. Yeah. So you can look at GitLab's jobs at gitlab.com/jobs. Let's shift from where we're at now with GitLab to what we can expect. Coming up, um, specific. I know that you said that you guys don't have like a big roadmap, so we'll get on. We'll we'll talk about that in a second. But specifically for six point one, what what is going to come out with this release? We have three big features coming out. The first thing is issue referencing. So when you uh, uh, commit in uh, Git, you can write a commit message. You can say something like fixes number twenty seven, which means fixes my issue number twenty seven. And all these kind of comments and links are all detected by GitLab and the appropriate uh, comments are closed. And uh, we normally work with feature branches, which means that if you're going to solve a ticket, you're going to make a new feature branch for it. And then when you accept this feature branch, there's a big, nice green button that says accept. And then right on top of there, it will say, well, this will fix issue this and this and that and Mm. it got that from the commit message you did earlier fancy Mm. stuff like that is uh, now possible the other thing that was a popular demand where we call them pseudo api calls which means that as an administrator you can do api calls um, and you can do them as another user so for example if you need to comment or move someone's project you can do it as that user so that you don't have any weird users showing up in the history of of stuff and the third major thing is project specific ids like now if you open an issue for a project it gets a global id 
So suppose you have on your entire GitLab installation, you have 100 issues. It gets number 101. While on the project, you just had 10 issues. So it's not really logical that it's then number 101 when you have only 10 issues. Oh, gotcha. So we're going to... We're going to fix that and make sure you have project-specific IDs and merge request IDs. So every project starts at issue one. Exactly. Gotcha. Awesome. So that's coming out for 6.1. I think it's interesting that you guys have no – and you, you kept – when we talked, you kept talking about we have no roadmap. We have no big, you know, audacious goal or no big, you know – private plan of where we're going. So that kind of means that your your site and your vision is very close to what you're working on right now. Why don't you talk about like that? I don't know if that was a decision or if you guys just naturally kind of, you know, organically grew into that. But but why don't you guys have some some big roadmap? Why don't you have a, a, a long term plan? We used to have this roadmap file in the repo, um, but it wasn't maintained any longer. So we deprecated it and we found that Normally, when we when a, um, a release is almost done, so most of the time it's a few days before the 22nd, Dimitri kind of knows what he wants to work on. The community knows what they want to work on. Um, but you just figure it out then, right there and then. So, so you're done, the stress is gone, and you think, oh, I'd like to work on this or that. Or I heard so many people complain about this or that. And these things, you cannot predict them. Mm -hmm. two weeks or a month in advance. Sometimes you can, but sometimes you can't. And we want to be working on the things that inspire us and that are important to the community and to the clients of GitLab.com. So why work on something less important just because you said so a month ago? So yeah. we don't want to end up in that situation. And I think David Heinemeyer Hansen said it very eloquently when he said, inspiration is perishable. Um, if you're inspired by something, just go work on that. And mm -hmm. we try to keep that alive. That's true. Cause I mean, you hit that moment whenever you, I mean, especially as ingrained in the communities, you're trying to be considering, you know, you're so grassroots in, in your efforts that, you know, you can't operate off of a roadmap if the inspiration comes from, you know, like this conversation we're having today, like you might be inspired by something we suggest or the part of the conversation that reminds you of something you're not going to want to wait two months to go and work on that. You're going to want to take care of it like at that moment because it'll perish. Exactly. And if it's important, it will come back. And last but not least, many, many new awesome features such as the pseudo API calls, they're contributed by people. So we couldn't have predict predicted that. Um, that comes up and uh, at a certain point they're ready and we can merge them and then they're in the next release. So uh, um, it's, it's, it's useless to try to predict the community. We just have to go with their flow. Yeah. I think that this is something and this is something that I think about a lot working uh, as a developer full time. It's incredibly, I don't know if the word the right word, but stressful to think about like, long term like you know in six months we're gonna want to do this feature and to me when we we start and adam knows like i think you could probably laugh because he actually when he when he starts talking about features that are like more than today's work he says andrew's gonna kill me for bringing this up but you know it's funny because i think as developers we do like to be inspired and work on what is current and what is currently important right so it's it's like i want to know what i'm working on right now so i can 
you know, my thoughts and my brain cycles are not unlimited and I want to be able to devote it to what's important. And when I have to spend a ton of time thinking about, you know, does this match the roadmap? Does this match the six month plan? That's just overwhelming, right? It's stressful and it, I don't think it really, it, I don't, how often do companies actually stick to their roadmap, you know? And so when you have the open source community, that's very, um, I don't know, active with your project, I feel like a roadmap would lock you into something that maybe wouldn't be the the best idea, you know? All the energy you spend on the roadmap, it's wasted. Um, so you'd have, uh, before feature branches, you'd have people at companies who are called release managers. Like most companies still have them. If you do a software as a service product, you don't need a release manager. You can do continuous delivery, and you can just deliver the features as they are completed. There's no mm-hmm. need to do a release. There's no need for Git flow. Please use feature branches and just release what's ready. And you can the, the release manager can do something else and be productive, and no one has to stress out or fight about which which features get in which release, which right. is not adding anything. So we're, yeah, I feel really strongly about this as you maybe notice, and uh, I'm really glad we're able to practice what we preach. What were you going to say, Adam? I was just going to say uh, on the idea of roadmaps, um, something that that I heard from somebody pretty respected, actually from 37 Signals. Um, a while back, I had Ryan Singer on a different show I hosted for a while called the Industry Radio Show, and. You know, it, it clicked when he had mentioned this thing, this idea, because he's a product manager at 37 Signals. So he tries to know where they might want to go, but he doesn't let that impact how he works today. Um, and I, and I kind of lament on how he said it and its trajectory, like knowing where you want to end up potentially, but being able to kind of deviate along the path along the way, you know, based on this perishable resource called inspiration or, you know, feedback from the community or whatever. But you kind of have an idea where you want to go. It's not exactly a roadmap. It's like an idea of where you might want to be. I kind of think of it like that. Well, I mean, yeah, if GitLab, for instance, like GitLab's not going to switch from doing, you know, like version control hosting to, you know, playing music, right? <laughs> right. Like they, they, there's no roadmap. They, they know... In, in a year, they, there's some things that they know, right? They still want to be a company, so yeah. that's a given. They want to still be doing Git, and you know, but that what they don't know is, you know, what what if the community comes up and starts saying like, we really, really want support for X, whatever that feature is. Well, that feature could be a, a huge thing, a small thing, whatever. But as long as they have the mindset that they're being flexible and they're willing to, you know, go in that direction then that could drastically change the roadmap, right? So if there was a roadmap, it could be altered greatly if you have a flexible mindset. And I think that's what's scary is if you are roadmap-driven and you're not willing to to uh, move drastically away from that roadmap, you know, I guess there is two extremes, right? You could be kind of chasing every little rabbit trail of every little potential feature, but when you think of it that way, those rabbit trails tend to be bigger features, yeah. You have your core product and your core product it doesn't change that much. It it can change your in in the feature set, but as long as you're you're not chasing down, you know, core rabbit trails where your core changes drastically. I don't think you want that roadmap. I don't think you want to know where you want to be at maybe where you would like to be at business-wise, but to to sit down and say I mean, how I think that we all can understand and all can admit that if you try and sit down and talk about features, 
and and where you want your feature set to be in 12 months that you're you're not you're not going to accurately estimate or predict what's going to happen. That's exactly what I was going to say. Was you're not going to accurately depict the future like that. It's, it's going to be yeah. a rough estimate. And yeah, totally, totally with you on that one for sure. Yeah. And, and I think that the problem is a lot of companies invest a lot of time trying to figure out how they can accurately predict 12 months down the road. And it's like, why? <laughs> if, the, the sooner that you can embrace the fact that you can't predict 12 months down the road, the more that you can realize that you're wasting time and money on trying and you can invest that time and money into what's happening right now. And that's important. Yeah, I totally agree. And great quote of Ryan uh, as a product manager. I think what you're trying to do, if you're making a roadmap, uh, you're drawing uh, roads on a piece of paper that doesn't ha- that doesn't have a, a a map. It doesn't it doesn't list the terrain <laughs> you're in. Yeah. So yeah. you're drawing this 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 path you will take, but you're not taking into account the terrain because the terrain like it's hard to see how much effort stuff will be or what's important or what what's the weather gonna be. So you don't want to draw exactly which path you'll take. You need a direction. Like we're going northeast yeah. because that, that's yeah that's our goal, and then you'll figure out how to get there and, and which streams to cross and which uh, which which route to take along the way, and and you know your direction, and we also know our direction. We want to polish GitLab CI a bit more because right now it's a bit rough around the ed- edges. We want to package GitLab better because right now you have to install it by hand. We have really good installation manual, but still, if we make it easier to install, then uh, more people would install it, which would be awesome. So these are things you know, okay, this is the direction we want to go, but we'll see how we get there. Right. And uh, what tomorrow brings, and we'll just look, look, look up, look around and see which is, uh, what pull requests are coming in from people. Gotcha. So what's on the roadmap for? uh it's cool no i think that that's a man it's almost like you could do a whole nother talk a whole nother not even just talk a whole nother show about you know i don't know if procedure is the right word but but you know what's the solution right i mean you you kind of talked about knowing the direction you want to head well you know how do you know the direction you want to hit how can you accurately talk about a direction without talking about goals and and i think that there's a there's something there and whoever can figure it out and bottle it up i think you'll become you know a bajillionaire on figuring that out because there's obviously been companies that have been i mean that's what release managers do that's what you know that's what these people do and so there have been companies that have been investing tons of money and time into trying to be able to figure this out and i think if you can figure it out and figure out not just you know, it's not just figure out what I want to do in 12 months, but it's figure out how can I get us going in a direction and maintain the mindset that we're going to be flexible. But at the same time, I don't want to jump ship on this value because it hasn't panned out in the first two weeks. So I need to give it, you know, give it its due diligence, right? So if you can figure all that out, then, you know, more power to you and bottle it up and sell it and then hire me at your company to to, to just collect a paycheck. Yeah, it's 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 really good. Product managers are really really valuable. Mm-hmm. I think uh, at GitLab we just talk uh, within the company, but also with the community, and we just um, see where we're going. And we're 
driven by Dimitri's dream to give awesome tools to developers. Yeah. And I think that the, the mission is a bit expanding into just in ge- collaboration in general. I think Git is an awesome tool to collaborate and to be uh, flexible. Like people used to send an email with an attachment and then you edit something and you send it back and they send it to three other people and now they have a problem. And and these things are going away and, and version management is going to solve it. But it's really hard to do it in a user-friendly way. And there's uh, there's a whole wide open space about working together on code, but also on technical documents, legal documents, and eventually everything that's yeah, digital will be yeah. version controlled. And, and people are starting to figure that out. But I think it will be as important as web servers uh, these collaboration servers. And I think there should be a really good free one uh, that uh, everyone can use in freedom. And, and that's, that's, that's what I, how I see GitLab. But Dimitri might say something else and we have to figure that out as we go along and, and listen to our users and yeah. to the, to the people in the community. Yeah. So it's been two years and you guys are at 6.0. Do you, would you say that you put out another major release? You know, you bump the version in a major number um, every four months or so. Is that a, has that proven to be pretty accurate? Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Cool. So we can expect to see seven point coming out in the next three or three months or so. Oh, that's exciting. Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it'd be Christmas present, huh? Well, that would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we, I think that we could. Uh, we, there's plenty more we could talk about, but we do try and keep the show under an hour or. To an hour, I think we're we're about reaching that point now. Uh, we ask our guests the same questions at the end of every show, and so I'll, I'll uh, go ahead and ask you now, Seats. I didn't prep you with these, so don't kill me for putting you on the spot with these. Um, but our first question is, and I'm drawing a blank right now on what the question is. Call to oh, arms. Call to arms. Yeah. So first question for the community. You guys obviously have a very active community, so I'm not sure that you know there's anything specific but what would be something that you would like to see the community kind of rally around and work on or even better better way to put it is is there a feature specific feature that you think is missing from GitLab that you would like to see somebody kind of get involved with well if i i'd have to do a call to arms i'd say help people out using GitLab so there are IRC channels, there's an issue tracker, there's a mailing list, and people are asking loads of questions, trying to uh, figure out a problem, trying to see how they have to configure something. If you want to help GitLab, please help out these people. Um, it's it's uh, It needs to be the, the, the community is doing an awesome job helping these people, but there is a lot of room for further improvements. Not... Uh, there's room for better answers and and yeah just pick your favorite medium if it's tech overflow or an rc channel but help out these people with uh with gitlab questions hmm. that's that that will be my call to arms and of course yeah if you if you need an awesome feature yourself please please make it and contribute it but um, there's no need to go go around looking for something uh, something to make make something you want don't make somebody something somebody else wants that's the most important thing so you're inspired to to do a, a good job and you know what you want that's good advice yeah what about um so if you weren't doing 
what you're doing now. And, and I ask that question, let's say, assuming it's a month from now and you're working on GitLab full time. And if you weren't doing that, what would you like to be doing instead? I would like to learn uh, JavaScript and play with Node. I listened to your episode with Isaac, the uh, mm-hmm. uh, RPM the uh, NPM yeah. maintainer. Yeah, um, that sounds awesome. I I like to know more about that and play with it. I'm a Ruby developer. I love Ruby, but um, it would be good to uh, learn a second language in a good way. So I do that. Awesome. And our last question is a programming hero or somebody that you have been influenced by greatly in your life that you would like to give a shout out to. I want to shout out to Yehuda Katz. Um, he's uh, core on Merp, Rails, jQuery, Ember, making a Skylight application, but also making a Tokaido application. And that is to help people install uh, Ruby on Rails easily on their uh, Macs. Um, it's just amazing how much he has given to open source. Um, I don't believe he's actually one person. There must be three more in a basement somewhere. <laughs> many Yehudas. But yeah, many Yehudas. It's, it's just amazing um, what he has done. And I greatly respect that. And we cannot stand in even near him compared to our contributions. Um, I think uh, that's it's it's really awesome that there are people like him and he's a great inspiration to me personally. I'm always uh I'm always inspired by some of his tweets where he's like, Hey, I'm hacking on this. Anybody got have any anybody that knows something about this? Like he's still humble even though like as you said, you don't deserve to stand next to him compared to contributions. I think he's a pretty uh humble person and speaking of Yehuda as as your hero, Andrew, are we still in talks about getting him on to talk about uh the latest Ember release and whatnot, like a couple weeks? Yeah, we're still trying to work it out, but hopefully, um, uh, yeah, hopefully in the next few weeks we'll be talking with him about Ember and, uh, yeah, it'll be a good one. Yeah, that's good stuff. Well, yeah, uh, we definitely, um, appreciate you coming on the show. See, it say, I mean, the, the work you guys are Thanks doing. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the work you guys are doing is is really inspiring. Um, definitely the way you're leading the community and listening to the needs of the community is, is super inspiring. So uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Um, want to give another shout out to our sponsor, DigitalOcean. Definitely cool that you guys actually use them for one uh, and two that they're sponsoring the show because it helps us uh, sustain. So, I mean, that's that's what helps us make sure that Andrew and I can show up here every week and talk to people uh, like Zitze about what they're working on and, and give shout outs to people like Yehuda and, and others on the work they're doing so you can go to digitalocean.com and plug in our coupon code changelog to get 10, 10 bucks off uh, your subscription so do that whenever you feel like but to the listeners thanks for tuning in we'll be back uh, next week not uh, that's that's a kind of a neat show we'll, we'll put something in the email so if you're not subscribed to uh, the Changelog Week that you've got to go to the changelog.com slash weekly. It's where we're putting uh, our updates as well as tons and tons of other stuff that hits our radar that we don't always have time to hit uh, hit up on the blog. So definitely a huge Saturday read. Uh, and that's pretty much it. So let's, uh, let's say goodbye, guys. Thanks so much again, man. Goodbye. Thanks for having me. Awesome, uh, awesome that you're doing this show on open source. Great work. Thank you. Thank you. We'll, uh, we'll see you, everyone, next week. Later. Later. Later.